from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Coalfield and Company. Two on one the other way. Pedersen in on the left. Pedersen waits, feeds right, they score. Brad Richardson, 4-2 Vancouver. Pass goes to Marcheseau, behind and for Eichel. The left sidewall, up top Petrangelo, to the right, Theodore shoots, he scores! 41 seconds to go, Theodore scores his second of the period, 4-4 tie! Here's Quinn Hughes, he's got Garland, accelerates, right circle, he shoots, stick save, and the rebound is free, they score! Vancouver in overtime, Garland got to the net, Hughes whirled around on his backhand and lifted it over Leonard's pad. 5-4 Canucks, a minute into the extra period. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go, 5 o'clock hour, Cofield, Adam Hill, Ari. We'll get a chance later in the hour to uh, get you updated on the construction of the Running Rebels roster. We're going to try to hunt down Kevin Kruger, the head coach, right here on Cofield and Company, but let's get to the Big Five. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. You getting into baseball? A little bit. Already feeling some heat. Getting a good argument today over Clinton Kershaw and his perfect game being pulled by Dave Roberts. Uh, What's going on with the Giants? So, well, it started with rules of baseball, as you know. Yep, our favorite. Uh, Unwritten rules of baseball. The Giants were up big in, like, the second inning. Which, by the way, includes don't have fun. uh, And also includes, let's be frank, a sport that got super white. And some of those players being really uncomfortable with Latinos. Sure. And I don't know how they could get uncomfortable with African-Americans because the number has dwindled so much down to, like, less than, what, 8% in the major leagues. But there's still still a little uh, uneasiness, even in this year, in clubhouses at times. Yeah, and, and so in this case, the Giants were up big early in the game. There's still a long way to go. But they were up big, and the Padres were mad that they were still bunting and stealing bases, which you're not allowed to do, I guess, early in the game. And it kind of got ugly a little bit between... Um, the Padres and the Giants dugout. And at one point, uh, <laughs> the Padres third base coach, uh, who is Mike Schilt, who used to be the manager with the Cardinals. <laughs> so we know what they think of the yeah, Cardinals rules. are definitely one of the, <laughs> one of the clubs that, uh, knows how to play baseball. And they're going to tell you yeah. about the so, rules of baseball. He's a, uh, he's not a super old guy. No. Not a super old guy. But he's, hey, he was taught. He was taught the game. 50, 53 years old. Taught the game by the Cardinals. They, yeah. he, know, he knows. It's our way or the highway. So when he was mad at the Giants, uh, he was screaming some things over toward their dugout, apparently. They weren't happy. And uh, some of the Giants coaches were firing back at him. And he yelled into the dugout, you need to control that mother blanker. And so that was taken because one of the Giants coaches – uh, Antoine Richardson is uh, he's he's a black guy. he's he's an um, trying to think where he's he's from he's he's an Islander I know that um, he was he took offense at this because he was like you're using this to degrade me you're coming after me like I think that was being racist he he went nuts 
and then he was ejected, which is kind of silly too, because why are the Padres going over the, to the Giants' dugout to be annoying and scream at them? Uh, I think the Padres should have been the more penalized team here, but either way, uh, this is this is how it went down. Um, it of course led to the first female being on the field. That was a good Yay! story last night. What uh, a moment! Sure, uh, and I mean that's cool, but yeah. like, it was created by this. This stuff, uh, by the way, uh, Richardson, born of the Bahamas, Bahamas, yes, played high school baseball in uh, Delray Beach, Florida, sure. Florida. Um, but yeah, so in this case, uh, he took it to be of racist intent, just because he, as he, you know, as he was yelling, and a lot of people in the dugout were yelling, he was singled out, right? And he was like, "Bro, why are you coming after me? Like, you're specifically targeting me and <laughs> using derogatory language. Like, that's that's uncalled for." The Giants are upset about this, of course. Um, the A- I almost said the AFC West. The uh, NL West. The NL West fun. is fun, except for the Rockies, who are just starting to try again by getting Chris Bryant. Sure. But man, between the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Giants, and what was it? Was it Roberts last year who was talking about how he liked the Giants series, and then basically took like a backhanded shot at the Padres, like the Padres weren't legit. So that was going on last year. Well, I, it's, it's funny. Uh, our you know our resident Dodgers fan here in the building, Ed Graney, who's obsessed with them, was saying, "I don't really, I don't really hate the Giants anymore because I hate the Padres so much. Really, that I just, I, I hate, I hate the Padres, and so the Giants are like, ah, oh, they're, they're kind of, you know, they're a rival certainly, but hate the Padres way more. Interesting. All right, well, and I think a lot of teams in the NL West feel nobody likes good, the Padres. Good start to the season, and if I were giving advice to uh, baseball coaches, don't say, you know, control that mother blanker. Yeah, could be taken the wrong way." Number four. Not that I'm one that should be telling anyone what language to use and <laughs> sure. how to how to behave. So if you missed it yesterday, the uh, Reds owner's son, who's the president of the organization, this uh, Phil Castellini dude, responded to people saying, hey, I mean, are you guys trying to compete? What are we doing here? And he made the message clear. He doesn't care. And the number one goal is making money. You had my faith, but you've lost it. Why should that fan maintain trust in you? Well, where are you going to go? <laughs> Let's start there. I mean, sell but the team to who? I mean, well, that's the other thing. I mean, you want to have this debate? You know, if, if you want to look at what would you do with this team to have it be more profitable, make more money, compete more in the current economic system that this game exists, mm-hmm. it would pick it up and move it somewhere else. Yeah. And so be careful what you ask for. I mean, typical old school uh, owner tactics. Uh, you got what you got. Deal with it. And if you don't like it, we'll move. Nah, that's a bunch of crap. And guess what? People didn't like it because the crowd today was terrible. After getting like 43000 for the opener, no one showed up today. Um, I don't know what the future of these Castellini dudes is. I mean, it's it's bright because they can sell the team and probably you know make whatever profit. I don't know what they bought in for when the team was bought, what, for $266 million. Now it's worth like over $1.1 billion. So they'll be okay. But the message is clear there. Uh, making money and being profitable – Important, competitive, eh, we'll try. And what else are you going to do? Very dangerous. Very dangerous for baseball. Any owners to be saying that. People are doing other stuff. They ain't watching. And they're not coming out to the stadiums. And I'll tell you, there's a lot, of, especially in the Midwest, when it's cold. I mean, the Dodgers twins today, which is, which is funny. We talked about Kershaw. and like, the fans getting to see a great moment. There's no one there. The weather sucks. It, you know, weekday baseball is still expensive. Freaking 5,000 people there, and this guy, and I'm, I'll throw this out again, right? When 
the A's are playing games with us about you know the putting bids down on this site and that site, and we know they're going to want public money. This is what you're buying into. This sport, the sport that locked out the players, didn't fix apparently the problem because a lot of the owners still piss and moan about it. And then you got arrogant asses like this guy. That's what you're going to spend public money on? No thanks. Well, I don't even like the MLS business model. It seems stupid to me. But I'd rather have that and certainly rather have the NBA. Baseball, you know what? Take guys like this and the, the, the A's owner. Go to Portland. Go to Nashville. Go to some other dumb market that will give you all this public money because they feel like sports is so friggin' important. And I listen, we do sports talk radio. I, I, I love it. It's my life. But who wants to be associated with just, just jerks like this? Well, I was also trying to think, is he right? Because what he really is saying, he's like, you can get mad at us as owners, but you don't have any other options. And as you point out, like the other options would be, all right, you don't like us, then your their team's going to Nashville, your team's going to Portland, or something like that. But is he like, is there somebody else in Cincinnati that could buy the team? Like, I have no idea. It doesn't I, have to be in Cincinnati. I think if you were, right, but they would probably move the team then if they if they bought it, but. If he's saying, like, hey, if somebody buys this team from us, if you don't like us so much that you revolt against us and somebody buys it, it's going to be somebody out of the market because I don't know if there's anybody there that has the money. And I'll say this. If I had the money, I wouldn't be living in Cincinnati. That place stinks. But but I, I, I don't – he might be right. If they, if they move. The arrogance might be – If they move, oh, well. well life I, I life think, moves on. Baseball right, but I ain't that important. I think that's what he's telling the fans there of – listen, obviously he's a he's – a, Jackass, but but the what he's really saying to them is, you guys can be mad at us if you want. The alternative is not having a team. So do you want? Well, a the team? alternative is stop lying and spend money on the team. Well, but he's you're going to get two hundred million dollars from baseball after the season. I agree. I don't know what the rev sharing is for this season, but give me a break. I agree with you. You got 180 back in freaking 2019. No, I agree with you, There's but there's more think... money on the way. If you're not rich enough to own a major league franchise, get out. No, you get out. I agree with you, but what I'm saying is the arrogance is kind of it's, it's kind of warranted in that if I don't have if if I don't have competition and there's not going to be any pressure from you the fans on us to sell it because somebody else will move it, then it's almost like you kind of are screwed as fans. He, what he's saying to them is Hey, get mad at us all you want to. If if we sell it, they're leaving. So is that what you want? And maybe he's right. I don't know the situation in Cincinnati well enough, but he could be right, which is even more disgusting. Number three. Boy, that was rough. That was rough for the Golden Knights. Oof. We keep saying this. Not good. Boy, those Canucks who were supposed to be freaking rolling over have been a pain in the ass, haven't they? Yeah. So what did going to overtime mean but not winning? Well, they got a point. They salvaged a point, which is obviously not what they wanted. They wanted to. I mean, they were in, they were in a spot yesterday where if they could have won and the Kings would have lost, they would have actually passed the Kings. Right. Instead, the Kings win. The Knights get only a point out of their trip. And it wouldn't have been that much of a disaster except for the fact that it – Look like the, I mean, with the comeback they mounted, you would thought you would have thought Vancouver might have rolled over in overtime. They didn't, um, and also the fact that the Kings won, and the fact that the Golden Knights now have two games left on this trip, which are really really tough games in Calgary and Edmonton. Like that was two points you absolutely needed, and they didn't get it. 
and and I think that was that was where it was really kind of disheartening. The fact that you're getting closer to having a lot of guys back. Mark Stone comes back. Obviously, he was a little bit out of sync. He made some really really impressive plays, but as a you know consistent uh, player over over the 60 minutes, there was some 61 minutes. Um, he he wasn't fully back back, uh, but I think he showed signs. He made some really solid individual plays, um, gave them hope kind of going forward. And now, you know, they go, they go to Calgary. They, they need to win. They have the Kings tonight and the second half of back-to-back on the road at altitude against Colorado. You have to hope if you're a Knights fan that they lose this game, uh, the Kings do. And then the Knights have a chance to get right back uh, within a point tomorrow. Uh, if the Kings do in fact lose tonight uh, and to have a game in hand, which you know, they'd be right there, but they need they need some of those games where they win and the Kings lose. Uh, they need those things to happen. And by the way, Dallas last night gets a win in regulation over Tampa. That was unfortunate too. So uh, not only the Knights only getting one point out of the trip, which would have been a total disaster if not for the fact that everybody else around them won. Number two. So big day for Derek Carr. Signs an extension. Looks like a deal through 2025, $120 million added on to his current deal, which was going to run out this year. He's going to make just under $20 million this year. So $35 million per. And in the deal is a no-trade clause. For some reason, Stephen A. Smith really honed in on the no-trade clause. I don't believe that's one of the things that I have a problem with with some of these contracts in, in, in professional sports. Mm-hmm. I believe no trade clauses should be reserved for winners. Okay. <laughs> so let's have him explain this. Derek Carr apparently has not won enough at the highest level to deserve a no trade clause. And by winners, I'm not talking. I'm talking champions. I'm not talking about, well, you know, you got a winning record or you got to the playoffs. Hell, that's your job. Okay. And Derek Carr has done his job to a decent degree. He's a damn good quarterback. I have no issue with the years. I have no issue with the money, the financial investment made in him. I do have a problem with you having a no trade clause. I don't believe that when you've been to the playoffs once in your eight-year career. I mean, they went one year. He was taking them to the playoffs. He got injured right before the playoffs, and I understand that. I think Stephen A. got caught this morning without all the information because there really isn't a whole lot of information out there and wanted to have a hot take on something. Sure. Who cares? Yeah, in the NFL, the no trade clause is worthless. Guaranteed money is the only thing that matters. Yeah, because in all likelihood, when they're done with you, they ain't trading you; they're cutting you. Yeah. Well, and and that's so. And and, and bottom line, Adam, as you're going to explain, we actually think the no trade clause was actually a nice little spiff to the deal because sure. of what he didn't get. Number one. What didn't he get? All $141 million guaranteed. Anything? What's guaranteed in this deal? This year. With a boost, with a bonus. So he's boosted salary up from 20 to 25, $7.5 million bonus. So in the end, he's guaranteed $32.5 million, which, you know what, for Raiders fans, freaking awesome. If he plays well this year, then at least you have the parameters moving forward. The next part of the deal kicks in, and you got him at a good price, and and Carr's right. He's right, and we'll get to it. 
he he talked about wanting to do what was right for the rest of the players. As a Raiders fan, you should be freaking thrilled with this deal. It gives them financial flexibility to lock up other guys if they want to. Sure. Th- this is by there's zero qualification, zero zero more has to be said. Besides, this is an unbelievable deal for the Raiders. They, home run. It's a total they win. They have this year's guaranteed, which was going to be anyway. If he was going to play this season, it's it's going to be guaranteed. So, gets a couple million dollars. What Derek Carr got out of this is a fancy press conference where he got to say he got 120 million and he's locked up for the Raiders for the rest of you know till he's mid 30s. He got to say that, and he got a no trade clause. Which I is, control where I play. He got a no trade clause, which is essentially meaningless, but it's a nice. It's a nice. It's yes. whipped cream on a Sunday. Yes, good. Which really, I'll tell you in a second, is also irrelevant. Um, the Raiders got right. They paid him a little bit for this year, and if Derek Carr does play the way he could possibly play, if Derek Carr is unbelievable this year, which he said, "Hey, look, I'm going to be." They got everything in place. Everything's there. Now they, if he does play to that level, they've got a quarterback under contract for the next couple of years on a very team-friendly deal. And if he doesn't, they can cut him. And the no trade clause is only there where he could be like, well, I can dictate what teams you trade me to, but I don't think they'd trade him. I think they would cut him anyway. Or they could just right after the year say, all right, it's not going to work out between us. We're going to trade you. Where do you want to go? They could they could work on that kind of a deal. But look, Deshaun Watson had a no trade clause. Russell Wilson had a no trade clause. You can still be traded. Really doesn't mean anything. It just means he can decide. But I don't think they'd trade him anyway. This deal is so team friendly. They could cut him with no penalty after this year. I understand if someone came in, they want somebody new. You know, like I get it. You know, but the fact that they keep. You know, believing in me and, you know, watching the tape and saying, wow, like we want you to be here for some more years or some more time. That means that means more to me, way more to me than any of the other stuff that has to, it has to do with. You know, I've only wanted to be a Raider. And I told my agent, I said, I'm either going to be a Raider or I'm going to be playing golf. Like, I don't want to play anywhere else. You know, this that's how much this place means to me. And I don't, I know I don't get really fired up talking about it or anything like that, but I hope people can hear my heart on that. You know, along with having the press conference, getting the, the number 141 million out there, no trade clause. The other thing he gets to do is push, Hey, I'm a team guy. Yeah. And I think that's really, really important to him. Tim, my agent, myself and the team, we made sure guys like Chandler, guys like Devonte, guys like, hopefully Hunter and Foster and those guys can stay here. I went through a heartbreak already last time I signed my contract. My best friend left, you know what I mean? And I didn't want that to ever happen again. This was an opportunity for me to prove to the team, to the organization, uh, to our fans that the way we're going to structure this is so that we can keep you know everybody together and really, really have real continuity, really have something to build on. There you go. Team more important than me. That's what Derek Carr wants. Sure. Uh, half-hearted half-hearted it is is what he wants I think it is it's a big part of what he wants yeah he could have not signed this at all and he could have he could have been like yeah I'm gonna go somewhere else after this year by the way he was he's coming up on a year where again he's going to have all these weapons he's gonna be in the best position he's been in his whole career and he could have just said I'm not signing this team friendly deal I'm gonna play this out and then be a free agent next year if he really wanted to like he he didn't. He did sign this extraordinarily team friendly deal, which does add up to all this. Now I will say, for those that didn't see it, 
it's almost word for word what he said in 2017 when he signed the contract. He said, this is for this is to lock up this guy and this guy and this guy. And it's almost the exact same thing that he said. Now, in that case, it it was a it was thought to be a record breaking blow everything out of the water deal. And then now now it looks like a very cheap deal because quarterback contracts have exploded. But that's the same thing he said before. And then as he said, he lost a clue Mack. He also but, he couldn't he couldn't control the situation back then. One Mark Davis was still cash poor too. John Gruden didn't necessarily want to keep lots of dudes on the roster who were making gigantic sure, money. Sure. So and so Cooper and Mac couldn't he couldn't trade him quick enough. Yeah. And so he he he's right that there th- this provides some cost certainty to say, hey, if you want to lock up some of these guys, you can. But make no mistake about it. This is an unbelievable deal for the Raiders and not a great deal for Derek Carr. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Two the shot, stop, rebound, Hughes, back into the scores! Seconds into overtime on a backhander gives Vancouver a 5-4 win. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Yeah, we keep coming in and saying it. Knights keep putting themselves further and further in the hole. So it's going to be tough here. It's going to be real tough. Uphill battle. Yes. It's funny when you process, you're like, wait. Not making the playoffs is a possibility for this franchise. This happens to teams? Yeah. Yes. The run, the run they came out with as an expansion franchise is an all-timer. A possibility. And this, this, this was going to happen eventually. And, yeah, what well, the possibility is down to what? What's their chance of making uh, the playoffs now? Probability, according to Money Puck right now, 35.3% chance of making the playoffs. Right. And going into yesterday was, what, like 45%? Yeah. 47, I think it was. And the other problem is teams like the Kings, while they haven't been unbelievable lately, they've still been good enough. Oh, they've been with with no expectations coming into the year. And look at them now. In what was supposed to be a week Pacific. Damn. No expectations. Some people have 50 to 1 on the Kings to win the title. You know someone? I've heard. You didn't. I've heard. Okay. I don't know what this means. No idea. So th- this is going to be weird for you guys, especially at the the newspaper. A guy signs an extension on Derek Carr for $141 million, and somehow, I mean, I guess you're just telling the truth. Somehow it's going to come across like, hey, what did he just do here? This wasn't super smart because he's not guaranteed most of it. No. While Deshaun Watson, who's still under – the specter of serious, serious allegations got $250 million guaranteed. Yeah, Slightly younger guy, but, I mean, the difference isn't that big. Look. And he is a better quarterback, but not that much better. Well, I mean, I, I don't. $32 million guaranteed versus $250 million guaranteed? It's, what? It's extreme. Well, there was, I mean, obviously there's reasons. Deshaun Watson said, I'm not coming to Cleveland, and I have no trade. So, so Cleveland had to pay a Cleveland, Cleveland tax. Cleveland paid a Cleveland tax. Um, in that case, but I also do feel Deshaun Watson is one of the top three quarterbacks in the league. He's also significantly younger. 
than Derek Carr. Um, so yeah, there there is that there is that discrepancy. But really, when you when you start to look at contracts, and especially in the NFL, guaranteed money is really the only number to look at. It's really the only thing to look at. And Derek Carr essentially got this season guaranteed. That's it. And and I I just saw some people reacting to this. Uh, Tashawn Reed from the Athletic actually tweeted out. If Carr is back in 2023, he'll make $33 million, which is still an affordable number, and he explained some more stuff off of that. In the first response, a, fan, a Raiders fan that says, if he's back, he just signed an extension. What are you talking about? Understand this. It's, a, it's this year. That's it. That's all that's guaranteed. I think we've been saying there's nothing guaranteed after this. I think there's like $5.5 million that would be dead cap if they cut him after this season, but it's really just this year. And essentially, if you want to say it's a two-year deal, okay, it, it's it's basically outs after each of the next couple seasons. Um, so it's they could cut cut ties with them at any point if they fully were committed, as people are saying. Hey, this is this says they're committed. Well, then it would have been three years fully guaranteed, or at least mostly guaranteed over three years. That's not what happened here. Let's talk running rebel basketball next with Kevin Kruger. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. Rolling on on Cofield and Company. Let's get an update on what's going on with uh, running Rebel Basketball. We got uh, a new ticket initiative that they rolled out, so we'll get into that. And Kevin Kruger, the head coach of the Rebels, is up with Cofield and Company. What's going on? Not too much. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. What have you been doing? This should be a nice, easy time right after the season. <laughs> Kick back and relax for like a month or two, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, as you guys have known, in the 365-odd days that we got the job, the, uh, we're pretty active in the portal. <laughs> there, there's... So, uh, it's a little less hectic than most people's falls, I guess. So we just kind of flipped the calendar. There, there's a lot of that, and obviously the, the portal is – you know, it's something that has to be updated and monitored constantly by coaches. Do you have like alerts on your phone? Anytime somebody goes in, you're like, Oh, here's another guy. And you got to start looking them up. Oh, we do actually. We, uh, you know, there's a website or there's a Twitter account that stays pretty up to, up to date with, um, transfer news. And so we get alerts from that account. And then, uh, we, we have to check though, because if you don't check and you don't, and you contact them before they actually hit the portal, then you're, then it's a violation. So, we uh, it's a little bit of a two-step verification for uh, contact, if you will. Do you like this whole transfer portal thing? Because a lot of coaches, and especially older coaches, seem to hate it. Um, you know, I, I'm a probably a little swayed one way or the other, just because last year, you know, we, with only three guys returning, it was kind of our only chance. So uh, as of right now, I don't mind it. I think uh, you know, if guys want to leave. Uh, you know, and they want to try it somewhere else, that, then more power to them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure as time goes on, it, we'll, we'll swing back in the direction of having guys for a couple of years, you know, watch them, help them grow and, and get better and develop. And, and, uh, but as of now, I mean, we, we would have uh, been in a pretty tough spot last year had we not been able to uh, kind of hit the transfer market. Kevin Kruger's with us, head coach of UNLV. Do you like – recruiting transfers more than high school kids just from a maturity standpoint? Well, it's definitely different. It's, uh, it's really fast. And, uh, you know, everything happens. You know, a lot of people 
compare it to the speed dating of recruiting. <laughs> and and I I never actually did a speed dating thing, but I, I can see where there are similarities just because there's there's not the same. I mean, with the high school kid, there's there's times you can talk to them and their family and watch them play for years. Yep. Yeah. And and get to know everybody and, and see them and and uh, yeah, in, in this approach, you know, you're kind of you're going more off of what they played like and maybe judging their character off people you knew that recruited them or coached them uh, along the way. And so you don't quite get the same depth. But uh, I don't know. It's definitely uh, hectic at yeah. times. <laughs> I was going to say the breakup's easier. Because that does, when you recruit a kid, you know, when he, whatever, from 13, 14, 15 years old, and you, you think you're in good shape, and then you lose him in the end, like, that's that's got to be kind of depressing. And this one, it's like, all right, we gave it a good two weeks. You're not coming? All right, I'm moving on. Well, two weeks? No, sometimes it can be weeks. Well, <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we gave that a good three days. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but, no, there, there's a lot of truth to that, because when you recruit somebody for years in high school, and then, you know, whether it be, a bigger school comes in or somebody has a, you know, a great year uh, and, and everything shifts, that, that can be really frustrating. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> the breaks up, breakups are definitely easier because there's a, there's a thousand more names out there. <laughs> do, you, do you find that the, the guys that are in the transfer portal that are, that are leaving one situation to come to a new one, do they kind of – do they know more what they want, I, I guess? Do they – have different. I'm sure the the questions are kind of different, uh, having had the college experience already. But do you get the sense that they kind of understand, like, hey, this is what I didn't have, and this is what I want more than a than a high school kid that would have way more broad of questions? No question about it. Um, I think the, the conversations can be a lot more direct um, because of the numbers in the transfer portal. Uh, you can, you, I think, coaches can be a lot more direct and a lot more honest, and you don't kind of have to play the game in the, in that sense. Um, and just like uh, there were a lot of times this year with the roster we had where the conversations could be a lot more direct and a lot more uh, straight to the point because they had the experiences and they, they had the, the years under their belt to, to want to be told, you know, to just kind of get to the bottom line type of thing instead of, you know, you, didn't, you don't have to figure each other out as much, uh, you know, kind of learn each other, watch them go through growing pains and, uh, you know, so I think there's advantages in that regard. And, you know, like a guy like Roy Tam is a perfect example. Four years at one place, fifth year at college, you know, he didn't want, he wanted it direct. Yeah. You, know, you know, you know, just tell me how it is. Tell me what to do. Uh, you know, and that was the majority, pretty much across the board, you know, so there doesn't, I, I think that kind of gives, uh, gives you an advantage in terms of making a transfer situation work because most of the time the guy's, you know, they're not – the bells and whistles don't mean as much. The, you know, something that may catch their attention when they're 17 just doesn't catch their attention the same. They want to know who you're playing. They want to know what their role is going to be. And they, they can sense it if it's, not, if it's not genuine. This is the voice, of course, Kevin Kruger, head coach over at UNLV Basketball. Uh, along those same lines, I, I'm interested because there was a lot of talk about NILs today from Nick Saban. Uh, who's kind of changed his tune a little bit over the last year. Uh, I wonder how how much kids directly just say, like, well, what can you do for me in terms of NIL? How can I make the money? I'm sure it's something that interests them, that fascinates them, but how direct are they just kind of asking those questions of how much can I make or how much can I get from going there? I think it's getting more direct. You know, a, a year ago when it all hit, 
there was a lot of still the, you know, I don't care about NIL, I just want to play, which is great. Um, there, and there's, there's truth to that, but the game's changing. Um, it's becoming a part of the recruiting landscape. of, uh, And so now I think we're kind of in the mode of they want to make sure they're okay. You know, is there an opportunity to, to make some money? And who knows, in five years it might just be completely transactional or maybe less than that even, yeah. who knows. But, uh, yeah, the NIL is still a really tricky subject. I mean, a great person for you guys to talk to would be uh, Nepo, our compliance officer, with the, just with the state laws, how they intertwine with the NCAA guidelines about what you can and can't say, what you uh, have to do, tiptoe around, or, or, or the things that you're allowed to, to say to a recruit. Because, you know, this is Vegas. This is a, the best city in the world, and this is a, uh, we've got a great support uh, system in Vegas. And I think as you guys that have been around Vegas for a while know that when we're winning games and, and guys are playing well, uh, you know, the, the fans and the, the support staff or the, the support system will do whatever they can to, to make sure that the players know their appreciation, but we can't tell them a dollar amount. You know, uh, it's kind of one of those things where it's like you, you just got to trust us on this one. <laughs> When you're looking around the portal, do you have parameters? Are you looking for guys from Power Five conferences? And no insult to UNLV, but you know who could be coming down in terms of conference. Are you comfortable with you know maybe going to conferences that might be a little bit smaller and bringing guys up? Yeah, I mean, you and I, you know, we'll we'll, we'll come back to that going down a level comment here in a little bit, but uh, but, but no, I, yeah, I, Kevin, you you are you are the one who said earlier that you were looking at transfer portal guys, and then someone bigger comes in. Oh, I was talking about high school, but yeah, no, oh, okay. I get your point. Okay, and uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's one of those things where you know, with, with the way it is now, I think I think one of the reasons we had uh, a good team this year. That is because we knew the guys. Um, we had some sort of relationship, whether coaching them or recruiting them, or a good friend in the business that coached them or was a, or was around them that could test the, testify to how they're going to be every day. And I think that's that's our main thing is when we see a name, if it's an intriguing name that we know we recognize, you know, when we're sitting in the offices, we'll the first question is always, do we have a connection? Is, is there is there something along the line? Did you recruit him? Did you hmm. do you know somebody on the staff? Did he play for an AAU program where we know the guy? And uh, that that's kind of the, always the first question. And if not, uh, you kind of just have to weigh how much time and effort you want to put into kind of getting access to talk to the kid because you know the, the, you're if you don't have if you have that connection, you can usually get to him pretty quick. Did you want to get back to the comment about? Coming down, <laughs> I'll give you a chance. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I mean I'm just saying yeah. we, we sent our conference sent four teams to the NCAA tournament. It's uh, you know it's not a bad not a bad place. I, I agree. I actually I don't I don't look at UNLV as coming down to anything. So uh, you guys can certainly recruit along with Power Five. You're you know without mentioning players, you are looking at lead guards. So for guys like McCabe and Gilbert, what do you what do you tell them, and then what happens with that mix? Yeah, I think you know Jordan and. and Keyshawn, of course, are two highly competitive guys, and they understand that, you know, with with graduations and then Bryce going, Donovan in the in the NBA draft. I mean, we, we've got to field a team, and we've got to we've got to recruit to to make UNLV the best team we can. And and those aren't even discussions that we have with the guys because they know, you know, they want it to be that way. They want to be a part of a really good team. So um, 
I don't think that if there's an instance where one of them's uncomfortable, I think we'll address it. But until then, uh, they know we're going to try to do our best to, to put a great team out there. When you're building the team this year, do you base it off uh, at least some of what you saw around conference last year, a big, strong conference? And at times you guys had a little bit of trouble matching up, especially when you guys got smaller. Do, are you trying to get bigger and stronger? Or, hey, just best basketball players, and if we have some small guys, we got small guys. No, I think I think this the way that this conference played this year absolutely uh, affects when we're when we see kids hit the portal and when we see when we talk about recruits. Uh, there was no question; it was an incredibly big and physical and post dominant league this year. And like you said, especially you know with James Hampshire being out all year and Vic being out half the year, we we got small pretty quick. So a lot of times our, our discussions are about depth and and size. And is that something that we feel next year uh, when we're talking about a player, you know, could they potentially guard, um, you know, some of the, the bigs that with their back to the basket that we played against this year? And, and then could they also do something else? Or are they kind of, you know, what advantages do they bring if we're in a situation where we have injuries? And uh, I, I do think that the way the conference played this year, uh, it certainly has an effect. But at the end of the day, we want guys that can just, we just want basketball players. And if they're bigger, Faster, stronger. That's uh, that's just even better. When do you think you'll find out about Donovan Williams? Um, Donovan, we've stayed in communication, and uh, you know, I think it's it's one of those. I mean, you know, Donovan. I mean, he could have a handful of workouts, get some feedback, and decide he wants to go back to college, or he could have a handful of workouts that went really well and feel that he needs to take a chance. And uh, it could come any day. Uh, but we we've talked about him being here for to get ready for the foreign trip and and the the sooner he can get here and, and work out with the rest of the guys if he is deciding or leaning towards coming back um i think that's something to think about but as for now we're we are always going to encourage our guys to get their name into the nba draft to get nba workouts um get their name out there to the nba personnel and to the nba uh boardrooms so that hopefully that if they decide to come back to college those nba the personnel will, will come see them um, but we're all for it. We support it a thousand percent. Uh, we're excited for him, and uh, you know we hope he goes out there and does well. This is the voice of Kevin Kruger, head coach of the Runner Rebels. Talk about what you guys are doing at Thomas and Mac with the tickets now, because uh, you slash the prices big time. I'm trying to get people in the Thomas and Mac, plain and simple. Um, pr- ticket prices were not where they needed to be, and I think uh, what Eric Harper's done to, to do that is one of the you know kind of first things uh, being. AD full-time is it's a great it just gives me a great vote of confidence that that we're going to do what we can to fill the the Thomas and Mac and and to get people there to support the team because obviously COVID was really tough two years ago and and then it's had its effect and and outside of the you know the obvious we'll just win everybody will come well you know people being there helps helps win those games as well. So it's a little bit of a two-sided coin, and uh, I, I'm just really excited that he did that. I think it's going to help tremendously in, in getting people back into the Thompson Mac. UNLVTickets.com, uh, downstairs tickets for season tickets as low as 305 so that's about 19 bucks a game. If you had tickets upstairs, you can upgrade to downstairs for a, a very small price, and then tickets upstairs for season tickets, uh, less than $100 for some of the seats. So check it out at UNLVTickets.com. I think you're going to be surprised by this. Because you, uh, you, you know, you know me over the years. Uh, you know, kind of bitter, kind of uh, just cold inside. I'm, I'm sad to see Carlin Hartman go. I was sad when I saw it announced. 
Yeah, I mean, of course, we were all sad. Carlin's like family, and uh, but you know, it's part of the it's part of the game. It's part of the business, and uh, you know, we'll be sad to see him go, and of course, and, and equally sad to see his wife Christine and son Joseph go. They were as much a part of the program in, in this year and building it and helping really helping convey the culture that we want to, that we want to express to the guys and recruits. So uh, we'll, we'll cheer him on from, a, from afar. I mean, he should be a head coach. It won't be long before he is, but uh, for now he'll, he'll be at Florida. So that's kind of a pain in the butt though. You're, you're trying to get a team together, going to the portal, you lose one of your key recruiting you know, assistance, and then you have to go out and find, you know, the next person on the staff. Yeah, but it's, you know, uh, to be honest, I think it's kind of a uh, a compliment to the guys uh, for the year they had that, uh, you know, people took notice of the staff. And, and uh, you know, we're asking questions. It wasn't just him. And people, people are asking questions all throughout the staff about uh, potential hires. So, it's not un- uncommon when I think when a, when a team does well, and I think Carlin deserves a lot of the credit for that and helping get those guys here. All right, back to normal Steve Cofield here. we got to talk a little trash in the final minute. So we've got a little thing going on here at Lotus. We've got other shows talking about being basketball players in their high school. We know radio people lie all the time. I told the story the other day, and I don't know if you remember this, but uh, I'll just tell you, the morning show has been talking a little bit of trash about getting involved. Uh, we're talking about Bischoff and Jared, and I swear to God, I sat there <laughs> When Mike Romala, reporter at the Sun, brought up bringing back a media game, and then we started talking about a horse or a shooting contest, and you were like, "Let's go right now." Do you remember the reaction from Bischoff and Gramala at the time? Well, do you remember you guys were going to play, and I was going to sit in the stand and write about you guys? <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> well, you well, you might get the chance that's, soon. That's a good point. No, no, no. I forgot, my, I forgot, my, I Achilles, about that. my Achilles are staying intact. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to get the chance to write about it soon. I think it's going to go down. Oh, and Tyler, Tyler Bischoff claimed on air he's the best player in this building. That is the biggest joke I've ever heard. He wouldn't even do a shooting contest. I am going to live tweet yeah. that. <laughs> uh, what are we going to call it? The, that event. Uh, event is too <laughs> nice of a that term. Old media guy, playing old a guy. Sport basketball yeah. game. Oh, no, no, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's happening. Stop. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm already out. It's I'm already be, out. Let it's them be play. A good time. But also, Jared moves like a scarecrow. Like he's talking about his wingspan. Get out of here. That's the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Coach, does a wingspan matter if you can't do anything? Uh, <laughs> not not usually. Yeah. Um, but it never hurts to have the measurables. Sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you can't do anything, I don't know what they do for you. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, good luck with this whole transfer portal thing. I know you're going to get players and uh, should be fun and enjoy all the extra work. My God. Yes. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. We'll see you. Thanks, Coach. UNLVTickets.com. Tickets slashed at the Thomas and Mac is uh, Kevin Kruger putting the team together. Uh, by the way, they did get Jackie Johnson the third. He can't talk about it. He's a kid from Duquesne, so he is in the point guard mix. He's 5'11". Freshman, sophomore to be, average 9.5 points per game. Okay. <laughs> I was rushing to get to a break, but we're all good. We're all good. Back at it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been, I've been following the portal as much as I can. It is, it is crazy. I, I know you know a lot of coaches, too. It's just, yeah. it's nuts. And like Kruger said, sometimes it's a, basically it's a four-day process. Some guys are taking a little longer. Sure. 
But, but every, just, every school wants transfers. Well, and he's he's referred to like the you, you contact the kid like, hey, I heard you might be interested. And like two days later, like, I changed my mind. I'm probably going to this place. Like, okay. Well, was, All right. Time to move on. Nice, Good nice luck. whirlwind. Nice, nice talking to you. Sure. It's crazy. But they got to get things done. They got to get things done. They lost a lot of production and replacing a guy like Bryce Hamilton is not going to be easy. And I do think they need to get bigger and stronger. And hell, in the conference already, Jeff Linder. Remember uh, Ethan Anderson at USC, um, a mentee's commit here? He's going there. Another USC kid is going there. UCLA kid is going there. So Linder's doing it. He's been a master in the portal so far.